Daniel Francis Baranowski, and welcome to the Frankly Daniel Show on the America Out Loud Radio Network. The first thing I wish to say today, with my hand on my Bible, is that I am not, nor have I ever been, a racist. Furthermore, white conservatives aren't racist. I'm a white conservative, and I'm not a racist. White Republicans are not racist. Yep, I'm a white Republican, and you can bet your bottom dollar I'm not a racist. Furthermore, I'm going to tell you that I deeply resent fire eater Kamala Harris and that feeble old Joe Biden dumping on white people and accusing Americans of being systemic racists. The systemic racism the vice president just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. The knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, enough of this senseless killings. Today, Today's verdict is a step forward. Systemic racism, Mr. President? The systemic racism that's put a stain on our souls, Mr. President? What in the heaven's name are you talking about? Mr. President, you've been in federal politics for more than 50 years. Did systemic racism just occur to you? You were the vice president to our first black president. Well, yeah, I, I know. Bill Clinton was the first black president. But never mind that. But still, Mr. President, is your long-term memory gone? Mr. President, you said there's a knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. You said that, Mr. President. Surely you didn't write this pathetic line yourself, did you, Mr. President? Profound fear and trauma, the pain and exhaustion that black and brown people experience each and every single day, Mr. President? Mr. President, I know you rescued Nelson Mandela, but we're not in South Africa now. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of peaceful protest? You said that, Mr. President. Who told you this, Whopper? Does anyone listening to this radio broadcast remember the summer of 2020 as peaceful, or even mostly peaceful? It wasn't in the blue state cities of America, Mr. President. Protests that we haven't seen since the days of the civil rights era in the 60s, Mr. President? Mr. President, I was alive in the 60s. I was even alive, perhaps, in the 1860s. I don't remember the civil rights movement being anything like the summer of 2020. Protests that unified people of every race and gender with peace and purpose, Mr. President? Oh, come on, Mr. President. You best back off those extra doses of Geritol. They're, They're not helping. But you are right about one thing, Mr. President. Enough. Enough. Enough of this race-baiting, Mr. President. Who writes this crap for you, Mr. President? Why doesn't anyone call you out on such tripe, Mr. President? I want to hear that one more time, Mr. President. 
Would you go ahead and repeat that? The systemic racism the vice president just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, enough of this senseless killings. Today, today's verdict is a step forward. Okay, Mr. President. This time I did hear you say that the Derek Chauvin verdict was a step forward. Wrong, Mr. President. That verdict was criminal justice, Mr. President. It wasn't about racial justice. No, it wasn't, sir. It wasn't about racial justice. Nothing about or during this trial, Mr. President, indicated or even intimated that George Floyd's death was racially motivated. If you've watched any of the testimony, then you should know, Mr. President, there's nothing in the trial record to indicate that George Floyd was black, or any race in particular. This was about the behavior of one single officer, Mr. President. It said nothing about other police and nothing about the 18,000 other police departments in this country. George Floyd, George Floyd could have easily been white, Hispanic, Asian, and maybe even a Martian. To say anything more than this, Mr. President, would be racist. You know, Mr. President, I pray you stay healthy. We're all very troubled to think that this character you picked as your vice president would ever become president. Don't misunderstand me, Mr. President. Please don't misunderstand me. I hold you in the highest low regard possible. But Camilla? <laughs> well, that would be nuclear. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans and black men in particular have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers and brothers and sons and uncles and grandfathers and friends and neighbors. Again with the systemic racism, Madam Vice President? What about xenophobic? What about it, Madam Vice President? You called us xenophobes many, many times before, Madam Vice President. That's one of your favorite words. Did those who write this stuff for you forget about xenophobia? And as for fathers, as for fathers, Madam Vice President, haven't you heard, Madam Vice President? Black Lives Matter disowns the nuclear family. You know, the nuclear family, meaning a couple and their dependent children, regarded as a basic social unit. Yeah, black families, according to Black Lives Matter, they don't need fathers. And apparently, too few are present in the home. But, but surely you know this, Madam Vice President. Finally, we're the last folks who need another lecture from you, Madam Vice President. <laughs> well, so much for those two racist clowns. There's so much to cover today, so much I'm dying to share with you, <laughs> that I'll do my darndest not to fall out of my chair with excitement. Today, we're going to talk about what so-called woke Democrats are doing to destroy America through their devil-be-damned lies about systemic runaway racism and their quest to destroy policing. 
Yesterday, I'm going to speak about how Democrats, moving at the great speed of light, are trying to control all aspects of our life. I know they want one centralized, totalitarian, socialistic federal government that they control until they could all move to Mars. Well, okay, that is hyperbole, but not by that much. They want to locate this new totalitarian capital in the soon-to-be 51st state of America, the one we currently know as Washington, D.C. Just as an aside, you probably haven't heard this yet, but H.R. 51, the Washington, D.C. Admissions Act of 2021, will change the name of Washington, D.C. to the Douglas Commonwealth. The 51st state is going to be called the Douglas Commonwealth. No longer Washington, D.C. They're doing this in honor of Frederick Douglass, a black abolitionist and noted author during the Civil War era. I sincerely do have the greatest respect for Frederick Douglass, but I find this move by today's Democrats a disingenuous, blatant uh, genuflection, if you will, to the myth of systemic racism. Why else replace George Washington, a slave owner, with a black abolitionist? Frederick, he's, he's going to need a statue soon. So who's next on the Washington, D.C. hit list? After all, we must fight systemic racism wherever we find it, right? Now, forgive me for sidetracking. I've struggled with attention deficit disorder my entire life. My mother even said my ADD was present even during her pregnancy with me. So I'll, I'll try harder to stay on course. So, so back to Democrats. If you look, you'll see they're on a time-sensitive, aggressive campaign to buy, steal, and influence votes within this next 18 months. I absolutely believe Democrats are using race as an overarching distraction from all other things that they're doing to transform our representative republic into what might kindly be called a democratic socialist nation. Yes, the 2022 elections loom large, and everything is at stake. And no, I'm not the boy who cried wolf. This time is for real, honest. Last week I covered a wide array of purposely deceptive Democrat Party legislation and programs aimed at buying, stealing, or influencing voters in favor of Democrats. Let's start today by reviewing these initiatives. Each is important as a part of the big picture. Too often we're focused on trees and not the forest. So before we tackle systemic racism, a small item, and police reform in America, why don't we quickly scan the trees and just check out the forest? First, ever since Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 election to President Trump, Democrats have been hell-bent to abolish the Electoral College and go straight to the popular vote. And they're still on that course. Currently, we're in mortal combat over legislation that would change our federal election laws, you know, that H.R. 1, For the People Act. And this would consolidate all important national election laws under the Capitol Dome, which they think really belongs to them. In other words, states would lose control of their own constitutionally guaranteed right to regulate how elections are conducted in their states. This is why Joe Biden and every other Democrat continues to lie about Georgia's new election integrity law. 
Mr. President, there's nothing Jim Crow about Georgia's new law, and you know it, so stop saying it. Thirdly, Democrats are pushing for stricter gun control laws in an appeal to suburban women. As I said last week, suburban women, both Republicans and Democrats, are highly motivated to favor whichever political party appears to be doing something about gun safety. Unfortunately, gun safety is something Democrats lie about all the time. Did you pick this up a couple of weeks ago? Joe Biden falsely said that there are no federal background checks for gun purchases at gun shows. Now think about that for a minute. No federal background checks for gun purchases at gun shows. How preposterous! Why would anyone buy a gun at at a gun store if you could just buy guns hassle-free at gun shows? Nevertheless, old Joe repeated this several times while introducing his crackdown on ghost gun kits and handgun stabilizing stocks. Oh, Lord. On to point four. Biden's now proposing a $2.25 trillion infrastructure and American jobs bill. That has little to do with roads, bridges, or railways. Only six cents on the dollar in this particular bill has anything to do with what we call traditional infrastructure. Next, Democrats continue to push for an increase in the minimum wage, $15 an hour. Pros and cons to that, but they're pushing. Six, Biden's proposing a new U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021. Now, this would grant amnesty for 15 to 20 million undocumented aliens, not to mention attracting another 10 to 20 million aliens to pay coyotes billions of dollars to cross into the world's largest migrant welfare nation. I wonder if President Biden has thought about where these coyotes are spending all their billions of transportation dollars. Could it be guns and drugs? Uh, Just a thought. Seven, I've already mentioned that Democrats are pushing for Washington, D.C. statehood. Aha, but they're also interested in Puerto Rican statehood. This would give them four Democrat senators in perpetuity. By the way, the last vote in Washington, D.C., the 2020 presidential race, Biden won 94% of the votes in Washington, D.C., soon possibly to be the Douglas Commonwealth. Founding fathers, which is a term that you can no longer use on the Congressional House floor per Nancy Pelosi's rule, our our founding fathers purposely set aside the District of Columbia as the neutral seat for the federal government. So now the federal government is going to be a state and have its own two senators and House member. Our founding fathers could have just as easily made D.C. part of Maryland or part of Virginia or part of both. Wasn't that the time to do it in the beginning? Were they right in wanting a neutral plot of land for the nation's federal government, our government, all of our government? Uh, So much for that idea. Eight, Biden's calculated open borders and immigration plan is going to welcome more than two million undocumented Democrats to America via illegal entry, not to mention an additional 700,000 future Democrats who won't even bother to stop at a port of entry. Who doesn't think this isn't a blatant attempt to change our voting demography 
by adding future Democrats to the voting rolls. Oh, man. Nine. We're going through these pretty fast. Uh, you can, they're all back, by the way, back in last week's uh, uh, show. You can check them out there. Number nine, House Democrats have already commissioned a study to draw guidelines on how to pay out slavery reparations. Of course, this initiative goes hand-in-hand hand with the left's false narrative that America is a systemically racist country and that somehow millions of us whose families legally migrated here in the 1900s are going to be responsible to pay reparations for something that happened more than 140 years ago well past any history we have with America. Yes, this is a very sore subject with me. I've been a lifelong student of the American Civil War. And I believe it might be instructive to take a short trip down history lane. Just to better understand this. In 1860, there were 33 states and 10 territories. The population in 1860 was 31 million, of which 3.9 million were African-American slaves. Today, we're a nation of 330 million, and a radical Democratic Party would have us believe that African Americans are still treated as second-class citizens and perpetually discriminated against. In 1860, approximately 23 million Americans, of that 33 million Americans, lived in 22 northern non-slave states. In other words, nearly 80% of Americans in 1860 had absolutely nothing to do with slavery and, in fact, were so opposed to it they decided to fight a vicious civil war. The 11 Confederate states were home to 5.5 million free Americans and 3.5 million African American slaves. These 11 Confederate states were dominated, and I mean, they were dominated by the Democratic Party. Yeah, they even had these characters back then. The Civil War was more than just about slavery. But the issue of slavery was a huge issue, and and a Union victory ensured our nation's 13th and 14th Amendment. No small accomplishments. And we should not forget that one and a half million Americans were casualties of that war, with over 670,000 deaths. In today's numbers, that would be more than 6 million Americans would have died in that war. Now, if you want to call something a good start toward ending racism, I think the Civil War was a hell of a start. However, even after Reconstruction ended in 1877, the white Democrat Party ruled the South under the thumb of those Jim Crow laws that the President Biden is so fond of always talking about. It was Southern State Democrat Party senators that used the Senate filibuster to block all proposed civil rights legislation until 1965. I will continue to be an outspoken critic against taxpayers suffering the burden of paying slavery reparations for something that happened by so few to so many far too long ago. This is nothing more than a pandering distraction to make African Americans believe Democrats are doing something to benefit them. I suppose it's the least they can do considering none of their legislative initiatives in any way support the African-American community. It's all been just talk. Moving on, number 10. 
The Democrats just introduced the Judiciary Act of 2021, which in essence is a bill to pack the Supreme Court with an additional four liberal Supreme Court justices. Number 11. Biden has already said he is going to ask for another 2 to $4 trillion in COVID pandemic stimulus relief. This despite the last $1.9 trillion, which saw only $0.09 cents on the dollar going for COVID relief, has hardly been spent yet. Number 12. The Democrats just introduced the PRO Act, also known as Protecting the Right to Organize Act, which, if passed, would allocate federal money and new organizing rules to create more unions and force more unionization across all our labor markets. Unions organize voters. They organize Democrat voters. More unions, more organized Democrat votes. Just two more to go. The next Democratic robbery is going to show up right in the middle of our radar screens soon. And I mean very soon. This is perhaps the largest and most brazen socialist program yet proposed by the -the off-the-ledge radicals in Congress. Yes, I'm talking about the Democrats. Senators Warren, Sanders, and Schumer are demanding the president issue an executive order to cancel $1.7 trillion, I said trillion dollars, and a one-time student loan forgiveness event. Their plan calls for canceling up to $50,000 for each of, get this now, 45 million student loan borrowers. Who knew there were that many people with outstanding student loans? Of course, there's no such thing as canceling debt. It's like a free lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody has to pay it off. And you guessed it, it's going to fall on us, the taxpayers. And its goal is immensely clear. Democrats hope to shower 45 million indebted students. 45 million? Whoever knew there were that many indebted students? They want to shower them with a huge financial gift in expectation that these lucky Americans will vote for Democrats in 2022. While all claiming this debt forgiveness is all about racial justice, since black borrowers borrow more money than white borrowers. Now, there's solid reasons why black students are more indebted than white students, but it has nothing to do about race, racial discrimination, racial justice, or systemic racism. Democrats practice, if at first you don't succeed, lie, lie again. Did you know that due to the COVID crisis, Congress passed requiring borrowers to pay at least the interest on their student loans each month? They paused that. In fact, they paused all required student loan payments. No borrower has had to pay one red cent of their student loan debt for the past months, and in in total it'll be 18 months. Repayment doesn't begin again until October 1st of 2021. Borrowers are saving just around $5 billion a month on interest that will not be charged to their accounts during this 18-month period. Well, that sounds good, and it sounds fair with all the other things going on with COVID. But there's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, furthermore, the government says they're going to pick up the tab for this $5 billion a month charge. That means taxpayers are paying the $5 billion in interest each month. So, I mean, somebody has to pay the bill. It just doesn't evaporate. 
In short, the cost to us, the taxpayer, is a short $90 billion in interest cost over the 18 months. You know, a trillion here, a billion there. Does it really matter? And there's more. Congress gave student loan borrowers a tax-free gift. On average, each borrower is receiving just about $400 a month as a gift and interest forgiveness over these 18 months. Now, the IRS considers this type of loan forgiveness as taxable income. Oh, Congress has given student loan borrowers a tax exemption for all types of student loan forgiveness through 2025. Now, isn't that interesting? Moreover, if the president decides to forgive these loans, as much as up to $50,000 on each loan, borrowers don't have to pay income taxes on this windfall. Now, this is the equivalent to having someone hand you $50,000 and say, Hello, it's tax-free. Enjoy yourself. Now, I'm the eldest of six siblings. My father was a postal clerk. My family couldn't spare a dime for me to go to college. I made it through my undergraduate education at my home university, the University of Arizona, with a merit scholarship, grants, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of part-time work. I worked my butt off. Well, I mean that metaphorically, of course. At age 37, I entered graduate school at Harvard University. Harvard tuition isn't inexpensive, nor is the cost of living in Boston cheap. There's a reason they call that state Taxachusetts. I stopped working for four years and had to take out sizable student loans. I paid every cent of those loans back, and I never expected to do otherwise. To default on student loans isn't any different than defaulting on your car loan or your home mortgage. I gave my word that I would pay these loans back. To forgive student loans sends all the wrong messages to our youth. And it's immensely unfair to those who didn't go to college, not to mention those, well, actually to mention those who dutifully paid off their student loans. They're not going to get compensated for having paid them off. No, it's only people with loans. Nevertheless, we now expect them, these people I've just talked about, to bail out the $1.7 trillion of debt. Not only is this money we don't have, but we're going to have to print it without any other backing than the good faith that our children's children will pay it back. We're obligating our children's children and somebody else's children as well to pay these debts back. But what if we tell our children, you're not responsible for someone else's debt just because Senator Elizabeth Warren says you are? It's like so many falsehoods on the left. If Democrats feel so strongly about unlimited illegal immigration of unaccompanied alien children, why isn't every one of them, including AOC and the squad, why aren't they down on the border agreeing to be foster parents for two or three of these children, or agreeing to personally compensate their parents for the seven or $8,000 in coyote safe passage fees. In any event, I plan to say much more about this seven or this $1.7 trillion giveaway in a forthcoming show. Well, this seems like an appropriate spot for me to just calm down a little bit. You'll hear me on the other side of a short break. You all come back now. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization 
that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. AmericaOutloud.com is the alternative from the agenda-driven globalist. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. On-demand podcast or real-time talk radio with our streaming apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together, we need to shop together, and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement, and veterans. Hello, hello. Greetings and hallucinations, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. I'm so glad you found your way back. Back to the here and now, shall we? You probably already know that America Out Loud is celebrating its fifth anniversary this fine spring. And what an auspicious launch into the sixth season it's been. Allow me to mention two of my favorite shows on America Out Loud. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Well, they're all my favorite shows. But here's two I think that you'll love. The first show is entitled The Constitution Study, and it's hosted by Paul Engel. It plays weekdays at 4 p.m. What an amazing scholar Paul is. The other show, which is really in the same vein, is called Disciples of Liberty, and it plays weekdays at 7 p.m. This show is hosted by another constitutional scholar, Mr. Tim Alders. You can find these two shows and many, many more by typing America Out Loud into your browser and you'll find yourself there in milliseconds. Truth is, there are so many excellent shows on America Out Loud these days that I find myself stealing time from other activities to listen. And I think my wife has found me out. So 
If you're into conservative talk radio, trust me, this is the place to be. Before we get back into systemic racism, my favorite topic, let's take a moment to remember that Congress has already spent $5.9 trillion in COVID relief legislation. Yeah, nearly $6 trillion. Unimaginable. The federal debt currently exceeds $23.4 trillion. I can remember when it was only 4 or $5 trillion just a few years ago. It's estimated that it could grow by an additional $13 trillion before 2028. The current level of spending is really unsustainable, and experts agree that this current deficit is going to have some disastrous consequences for the economy. That means for us, actually. The heck with the economy. The important point is to remember the last whopping sum of money, the $1.9 trillion, was passed without a single Republican vote. While the prior $4 trillion was passed with near-complete bipartisanship. Finally, Republicans realized that the COVID pandemic doesn't need another silly nickel in federal spending. Nevertheless, Democrats pushed this $1.9 trillion through Congress on a straight party vote. However, Biden and his determined radical Democrats are proposing another several trillion dollars worth of spending on all things green. This even before we've spent all that's already been passed into law. The proposed Biden federal budget in the coming year is five trillion dollars. Even with tax increases, we're going to spend a trillion dollars more than we take in in taxes. It's called deficit spending. A trillion here, a trillion there, before you know. In good humor, I got to tell you that my wife would have cut up my uh, credit cards way back at the first trillion. We've been talking about trillions and trillions of expenditures, but I want you to take a quick guess on how much we spend on official police policing each year in this country. I mean, the total package, policing across all cities, towns, municipalities, counties, states, and the federal government. All, every police officer doing official police duty. How much do we spend annually? We spend just around $200 billion. Not trillion, $200 billion. I was surprised. I, frankly, I was. $200 billion. God, that seems like a heck of a bargain compared to all the other things we're spending money on. But b back to the Democrats' spending. Yes, they're going to spend us into economic destitution, as our creditors, really from around the globe, will be able to foreclose on America at any time. And why, you must ask, why, why are we spending ourselves into oblivion? And why now? What's so pressing? What's the compelling demand that we spend more money than at any other time in our history, with the possible exception of World War II. And that, that took us five years to spend that. This answer is really quite simple. Democrats know they may only have the time between now and the 2022 elections to wrestle America to the ground. That's why they're hysterical to kill the filibuster. If they don't find a way to expunge the filibuster, their damage will be minimal, although sizable compared to what they could do if the filibuster was gone. I have to tell you that I'm extremely optimistic about 2022. We have got to have a tidal wave election. We have got to sweep these people out of any semblance of any kind of leadership whatsoever. 
but we have got to wake up and get with the program. The other side of the coin Democrats are flipping is just as evil and depressing as their spending. Democrats are proposing a tax plan that will murder the golden goose who has faithfully laid all those hard-earned golden eggs throughout the years. Take a long, serious look. Democrats are surely turning America into a socialist country. The transfer of wealth these past months and the proposed transfers are beyond anything any of us have ever seen, and they are going to affect us. Is this the moderate Joe Biden the media told us you should vote for? Is this America's uniter? For heaven's sakes, Biden lies every time he stands up at the podium, and he does it in a condescending way. Parts of our country are backsliding to the days of Jim Crow, passing laws that harken back to the era of poll taxes, when black people were made to guess how many beans, how many jelly beans in a jar, or count the number of bubbles in a bar of soap before they could cast their ballot. If you guessed Joe was talking about the Georgia election integrity law, you'd be correct. Nobody's got any jelly bean jars down there, and nobody's lathering the soap. What a bunch of malarkey, as Joe would say. Why have I taken the time to go over the Democratic plans in the first half hour of the show? Because this is the real story. Democrats aren't chanting, America first. They think that's a damnable curse. Instead, under their breath, they're saying, the hell with racist America. We're going to crush racist America and rebuild it from the ground up. Just today, AOC declared that racism has caused the existential crisis she calls climate change. And this climate change will doom the world in less than 11 years from now. Frankly, I don't think she understands the difference between whether A causes B to happen or whether B causes A to happen. But that's a typical radical Democrat for you. Here's some more. Rashida Tlaib recently tweeted, quote, it wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright was met with aggression and violence. I'm done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Yes, this is the infamous tweet where Rashida says all cops are racist and they're hopeless and irredeemable. She failed to mention that there was an outstanding warrant on Dante Wright, for gun possession, and for fleeing the police. That he missed a court appearance on charges for armed robbery in 2019. The police didn't know the car they stopped with an expired license tag was driven by Dante Wright. But when they found out from Central Dispatch that Mr. Wright was loose on an armed robbery warrant with prior gun charges, did the police worry that he could be armed and looking to flee again? He'd fled just recently in the past with a gun in hand. No, 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 no one in this circumstance should be shot, much less killed. But his background goes to the officer's frame of mind. I've got to believe that. You'll find this is true in 98% of all police shootings. The data shows that officers rarely draw their firearm. Even fewer have ever discharged their firearm. Between 40 to 50% of the time, I'm told, they missed the intended target. Wounding is even a rarer event, and even death is far rarer. All of this is over literally millions upon millions of police-civilians encounters. 
The difference today is that each white-on-black death is magnified as if these incidents are continuously happening. These tragic incidents are told to reinforce a false narrative that cops, particularly white cops, are racist. Yet we hear almost nothing about the black-on-black daily shootings and murder in Chicago. But Chris Cuomo of CNN fame recently offered his solution. Hey, comply or die. And you know what the answer is. You really do. You don't like it. I don't like it. It scares me. Shootings, gun laws, access to weapons. Oh, you! I know when they'll change. Your kids start getting killed. White people's kids start getting killed. So Cuomo thinks that as long as white kids aren't being killed, white people aren't being killed by police, everything's fine. Who said white people aren't being killed? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What else has he got to say as a solution? See, now black people start getting all guns, forming militias, protect themselves. Can't trust deep state. Hoo-hoo. You'll see a wave of change in access and accountability. We saw it in the 60s. That's when it changes, because that's when it's you. Well, that sounds like a responsible position. Who says African-Americans don't own guns now? And are you advocating that they should go out and hunt police, as LeBron James has claimed police are doing to, to black people? How frigging ridiculous. And then we have the opinion of Ayanna Presley, recently tweeted uh, this little uh, this little note. Quote, policing is a public health crisis. Mass incarceration is a public health crisis. Housing injustice is a public health crisis. Medical apartheid is a public health crisis. And you can count on the squad with everything they do. It's all about systemic racism. Here's another tweet from uh, Presley. Quote, I know what it's like to lie awake at night panicked over a student loan in default. I want to eliminate that burden and fear for others who, like me, didn't have generational wealth to lean on when it was time to go to college, like all us white people did. Who is Ms. Presley to be obligating taxpayers to $1.7 trillion of debt? She's not eliminating it, she's transferring it to you and me. And what about those of us with mortgages and car loans and the like? What about our sleepless nights? The difference is that we will work to meet our obligations. We didn't have generational wealth in my family. We don't look for government welfare. And now a tweet from uh, Pramila Jaripal, who's also a New Squad member. Quote, excited to introduce college for all alongside my friend, Senator Bernie Sanders. This bill will make community colleges and trade schools free for everyone. It will also make public colleges and universities free for families earning less than $125,000 a year. You know, there's no such thing as free. Just, it's just another stupid lie. Go ahead and browse the left's tweets on Twitter. It's quite an education. The left's accusations about racism, white privilege, demands to defund the police, and their efforts to indoctrinate our children with critical race theory are aggressive programs aimed at dividing and subdividing Americans. These are all huge distractions. These efforts pit us against each other and keep us from forming the necessary coalitions to battle what Democrats are really up to. Democrats and their mainstream media propaganda friends use fear to keep us at bay. This is what cancel culture is all about. It's about crushing anyone, and I mean anyone, who dares to speak up and challenge to the left's sanctioned dogma. 
We've watched and been victims of government-imposed fear, COVID fear, for the last year. And they're still up to it. Listen to a recent pronouncement by Dr. Fauci. When you meet on the show tonight, I know your time is tight, so let's get straight to it. What is your message tonight to both vaccinated and unvaccinated Americans as to what they should and should not be doing right now? For example, eating and drinking indoors in restaurants and bars. Is that okay now? No, it's still not okay. Yes, it's, it's still not okay. <laughs> uh, be sure to triple mask before you leave the house, too. This is why this network, the America Out Loud radio network, is so critically important. Just look at social media, our televised news, our newspapers, other forms of information we take in daily. They briefly mention various pieces of proposed democratic legislation, but quickly shift it whatever the day sensational shootings, riots, marches, or whatever the inflammatory comments from the left activists are. If you want to find out what the real issues are concerning Biden's new citizenship legislation or trillions of dollars in infrastructure, you have to go research it yourself. But if you want to know what Al Sharpton had to say or some other idiot had to say about the most recent police shootings, well, you can, you can find this on almost any platform in spades. The truth is Democrats have a well-crafted, organized, committed, and member-enforced strategic plan that changed the essence and very nature of who we are, of America. They're using their friends in the media to sensationalize every possible diversion from what they're really up to in Congress. Don't think for a minute this is anything other than what it is. Look at all their activity. If not for the filibuster, Democrats would have already passed all of that legislation only the filibuster stands in the way of sweeping transformation of our country, the one we live in. This legislation, if it passes, everything we know is going to be turned upside down. We will still be one of the world's largest debtor nations, but huge swaths of states' rights guaranteed in our Constitution will have been forfeited to centrally controlled government under the direction of Democrats in their newly minted state of Douglas Commonwealth and the radical Democrats, and they may as well all be radical because the moderates among them, well, they're all wrapped up tight in multiple layers of adult depends diapers, and they're too incontinent to stand up to any of these anarchists. These are not your father's Democrats. You've heard that before. I seriously doubt that JFK, even liberal Lyndon Johnson, would recognize today's Democrats. These radicals don't even deserve the kindness of being called democratic socialists. They're anarchists, and they make no pretense about it. None of these radicals is going to come to their senses anytime soon. We're going to have to force the issue. We have to be we have to be we must be relentless in calling our senators and our representatives and to do it daily regardless of their party we must demand that they hear us on these issues we could leave it on their tape recorder we can give it to one of their assistants but give it to them straight and do it politely we're also going to have to reach into our pockets and send those small five ten twenty five dollar donations to key republican candidates particularly the ones we like and think that have a chance, so that they have a fighting chance to get into office. And for those of us that are digital warriors, we must take to the social media and speak out. You can find me on Twitter at 
DFB Harvard, Daniel Francis Baranowski, DFB Harvard, all one word, on Twitter. You can also find me at Gab at Dan Harvard, D-A-N-H-A-R-V-A-R-D. You think I'd be able to spell that by now? Dan Harvard, all one word. We, we must politely but firmly challenge the nonsense of those who consider themselves woke. While having been a lifelong conservative, I, I've got to confess to having been a curious yet a, a, a lazy bystander. Until 2016, frankly, I remain surprised that I survived my time at Harvard as a known conservative. But those were, those were kinder times than now, that's for sure. Anyway, in 2016, I became a diehard Trumper and became actively involved in defeating Hillary Clinton. I shared this with you because my own example shows it's never too late to become committedly involved in our own future and in, and, and in the future of our children and grandchildren. Here's a thought. What if all the police across 18,000 police departments just up and walked off the job one fine day? Can you imagine the chaos? Yeah. What if they said, you can take this job and shove Camilla into a blue uniform? Yeah. What if? One has to question why race has become the dominant issue in America today. This fact flies in the face of a massive decline in racist attitudes since the 70s, the early 70s. For instance, the General Social Survey, the GSS, measured a wide range of racial attitudes since the early 70s. Back then, 60% of white Americans agreed with this statement. Blacks shouldn't push themselves where they're not wanted. 60% of Americans agreed with that statement in the early 70s. By the year 2002, this response fell to 20%. Unfortunately, that was the last year this question was included in the survey. It was discontinued after that. But other national surveys have picked up these trends in, in racist attitudes. According to Gallup, the approval of black-white intermarriage rose among whites from a low of 4% in 1958. Can you believe it? 4% in 1958. The 45% in 95 and was last measured in 2013 at 84% approval. In 2017, a Pew survey reported that fewer than 10% of whites said that interracial marriage was a bad thing. The actual share of intermarriage newlyweds in America rose from 3% in 67 to over 17% in 2015. A report by the American National Election Study, ANES, showed that police killings of African Americans declined by 60 to 80 percent from the late 60s to the early 2000s and have remained level ever since. Let me say once again, America is not a systemically racist nation. I loathe the evil false narratives promulgated by Democrat leaders and the heinous mainstream media who constantly bombard us with Racial guilt trips. People like Joe Biden lie to our face when he says our racism is responsible for the death of George Floyd and every other African-American homicide at the hands of a murderous police in this country. America had, I emphasize, America 
had, H-A-D, exclamation points, one, two, three. Serious, they had serious race relation issues prior to the seminal civil rights movement and the landmark legislation in 1965. But it certainly isn't so now. No matter how many times Joe Biden mumbles Jim Crow or Kamala Tars all white Americans as racist, it just isn't so. Lord, I pray you spare us from ever having to suffer Kamala Harris as President of the United States. Biden and Harris's speech after the jury verdict was outrageously banal and false. Biden said that the Chauvin verdict happens all too rarely. What crap! This despicable lie is just more of the deeply evil lies this administration parrots every day. Joe says no one is above the law. I love that. What about Hunter, Joe? What about you, Joe? What about your brother, Joe? I found no one, no one I know who's black, who says that they fear that their sons or daughters won't come home from a simple trip to the corner store because they fear murder by cop. Well, let's listen to Joe himself tell the story. Let's also be clear that such a verdict is also much too rare. For so many people, it seems like it took a unique and extraordinary convergence of factors. What else do you have to say, Joe? That they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run, or just walking down the street or driving their car, or playing in the park, or just sleeping at home. And this takes acknowledging and confronting head-on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. For a moment there, Joe, I thought you were talking about Chicago. Just walking down to the store, walking down in your neighborhood, playing in the park. That seems like exactly the kind of black-on-black violence that really is going on in America. That's really a huge problem. Why aren't you sending Attorney General Merrick Garland to Chicago instead of Minneapolis, Mr. President? In Chicago, Mr. President, 177 people have been killed this year. That's more than 32 in at this point in 2020. The previous 365 days, Mr. President, Chicago reports 809 homicides. 585 of these, Mr. President, were African Americans, or 72% of all homicides, and nearly all of them were young men. And this doesn't even count the non-lethal shootings, Mr. President. The overwhelming majority of law-abiding Americans and police are the true victims of this unholy war on our system of justice and law enforcement. I hope you're as uneasy as I am, for if we don't push back against this emotive, sinister, and corrupting pack of lies from radical Democrats, race-baiting activists, and mainstream media, perception will become a reality. America has every reason to be proud of the remarkable progress we've made toward the world's only melting pot of cultures, races, and religions. Which other nation of our size and multi-ethnic, multi-racial complexion has done a better job of liberty and justice for all? I have and I will continue to believe that blue lives matter as much as any other American life. And this support includes brown uniform sheriffs 
I'm a vocal advocate of our local police and sheriffs. We contribute every year to our sheriffs and local police organizations, and I hope that you keep them in mind too. Their lives do matter. In closing, and again for the record, I am not a racist. Thank you for listening. Let's hook up again soon.